Hey, Cross of Life, thanks for joining us for another episode of our podcast, Sermons. Uh, this week, we received a message from Jordan Messiah. Jordan Messiah is a, a son of our sister congregation, Hope, in Toronto. He is studying to be a pastor and is about to go on to his vicar year, which is essentially a pastoral intern year at Beautiful Savior in Cincinnati, Ohio. So we had him join us to share God's word with us from Galatians. And the next voice you will hear is his. Our sermon lesson comes from Galatians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and going to verse 14. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I also took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that it was not, I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet even, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might, pre, might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, who was Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. When they recognized the grace given to me, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. When, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from Jews, James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? The word of our God. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. People compromise every day. In our earthly lives, we see 
that there is so much that people compromise. For example, think of a marriage. Spouses sacrifice for each other so that, we, so that they can live better lives. In our jobs, we work together in order to achieve a greater goal. In our neighborhoods, we compromise so that everyone can live peaceful lives. Compromise is not a bad thing in this world. In fact, I encourage it wherever possible. But is there an instance where compromise is non-negotiable? Is there a place where we, it's okay to ditch compromise for the sake of our religious beliefs? In the Christian faith, the gospel of Christ is so important that any form of compromise would destroy the gospel's power. Therefore, as Christians, we guard against compromise of the gospel because compromise condemns and because the gospel is the most important thing in our lives. After being away for 14 years in Jeru from Jerusalem, Paul is coming back and he brought two companions, Barnabas, who was with them in the first missionary journey, and also Titus, who was a Greek, who joined them, along, joined them sometime along the missionary journey. You see, Paul was coming back to visit with the church leaders of that day. And there had been a problem that arose between the, church between the Jews and the Gentiles. They wanted to follow the Old Testament laws in addition to proclaiming Christ as Lord. In this sermon lesson, they wanted Titus to be circumcised. Circumcision was an Old Testament practice that was required by the Jewish leaders when you wanted to join Judaism. And so Titus being a Greek and uncircumcision being the norm for a Greek, they did not circumcise him. And by doing that, they were holding to the truth of the gospel. Next, they decided missionary plans. Once they knew of the grace that was given to Paul, they went out and they said, which places are people gonna cover? For the people already living in Jerusalem, they would still minister to the Jews. And for the people, for Paul, he would minister to the Gentiles. And then they were on their way. But shortly after, Peter would get into trouble. Peter was eating with the Gentiles. He was having fun. He was, he was enjoying life. He was enjoying fellowship, getting to know them very well. But as soon as his Jewish friends came along, he backed off. He was afraid that he was going to be seen as a hypocrite by his Jewish brothers and sisters. When, when Paul then saw what was going on, he called him out. 
in public in front of everyone. Because not only was he, was he stepping away from the Gentiles, he was roping people in. He was, it was getting to the point where he roped in Barbas as well. So Paul calls him out because he was compromising the one most important thing known to man, and that is the gospel. What is wrong with Peter? I mean, it's just one mistake, right? Paul was way too harsh on him. Paul should have just took him aside privately and said, hey, let me just, let me just talk to you real quick. But that's not what happened. Paul called him out in public for two reasons. In verse 11, it says, when Cephas came, who was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He stood condemned. This wasn't just a one-time mistake. This was continuing over and over again. Peter knew better. He knew the gospel truth. And yet he chose to do a different thing. The, the next mistake that made it so big was that big was in verse 13. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Peter was leading people astray. And not only that, he was leading his fellow church leaders astray. So then what was Peter doing? That was so bad. He was not staying true to the gospel. Peter's compromise was not applying the gospel equally to other people. Peter's compromise was that he didn't treat the gospel as the most important thing for ourselves, but also for other people as well. Could it be possible that we do the same thing? Could it be possible as I stand here and you sit out here and I say, the gospel is equally for everyone and we nod and say, yes, yeah, that's right. But then when I go out into the world, I seldom treat people as if the gospel is for them too. Let me put it like this way. You're talking with someone who's struggling with same-sex attraction. How easy is it to not even give a thought of, to, to, to treat them as if the gospel is for them too? Rather, how easy it, it is for, to listen to them but without the intent of getting the gospel to them, but dismissing them already because they're, they're sinful, they're gross. They're not even like me. Or what about someone who struggles, who, who, has, had, who has had an, an abortion? 
How often do we forget to give them the gospel? Yet we sometimes dump on them the law. But yet they need the gospel too. And so our sinful nature sometimes just loves to think that we are the only ones that love the gospel. We are the only ones that deserve the gospel. And because of that selfish thought, we don't even think about applying the gospel to others. And this compromise that we've, we have committed, it condemns us. Because we have not applied the gospel, we have not applied the gospel equally to others. And yet Jesus did it for us. Jesus set us free from that sin. And he shows us how important that gospel is. You see, as Jesus lived perfectly on this earth, there were many times where Jesus Jesus shows that the gospel is the most important thing. In Matthew 12, Jesus was healing and working on the Sabbath with his disciples. And the Pharisees, they caught him. And then they asked Jesus, why, why are you working on the Sabbath? Why, why are you healing on the Sabbath? Jesus gives this answer in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 12. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. What is Jesus' point here? The Pharisees totally missed it. Yes, the Sabbath day is a day of rest, but it's not to show how good of a rester you are or how amazing you are at rest. No. It is resting in the fact that a holy God dwells with you, that Jesus came for the salvation of the whole world, for you and for me, and even for the man that Jesus healed in that chapter. Another example is Matthew 16. Jesus had just finished teaching the Pharisees about looking for signs. And then Jesus gets in a boat, gets in a boat with his disciples, and he goes across the lake. And then he warns them about the Pharisees' teaching. He says this in verse 6. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus was warning and guarding his disciples against the compromise of the gospel. Jesus was warning and reminding them that the gospel is the most important thing for our lives. Jesus, in his earthly life, could not compromise. He did not compromise. And yet, as we have compromised so often... He did not leave us in that sin. The uncompromising love of the Father's will earned Jesus the death penalty. The uncompromising love for you and for me lifted Jesus up on the cross, arms outstretched, 
And he did this all so that you may be forgiven. Your sins wiped clean. But not only that, our freedom is won. We are free from our sins. We are free from the compromise that we so often commit. And we are also free to show others about the importance of the gospel. By Christ's death and resurrection, God aids us to do this by his word and by looking at the actions of others. Paul gives us an example of this in verse 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? First, we look to see how someone is acting. Are they acting in line with God's word? Or are they not? And if they are, if, and if they are not, we gently bring them to forgiveness. And when they forgive, when they repent, we bring them back to Christ. Here's an example of this. So there's a person that comes to church, maybe not, not a member, but he still comes to church and he says something or does something that is not really in line with God's word. What do we say to that person? Do we say, you messed up, never come back? No, right? We want that person to come back. We want that person to have the forgiveness of Christ. And so we treat him or her with with love, with gentle, Christian-like, Christ-like love, because that's what that person needs. And when they come to repentance, again, we give them the love and forgiveness of Christ. Another thing that we want to keep in mind is that because of the gospel's importance, because of the gospel's centrality, we want that the gospel is the thing that we remind people of. And it's a personal risk that we are willing to take. Why risk losing a family member? Why risk losing a friend? Why risk losing a classmate, a schoolmate, a a co-worker? Because we know that the gospel is the most important thing for our lives and for the lives of others. And because we, the same uncompromising love that Jesus showed for us, we show to others. God has set us free from enslavement of our sin. And in our freedom, with the gospel at the forefront of our minds, shouldn't we show that same love for them? 
How does this look? It may be as simple as calling someone after service today to, to check on their faith life. It, it may be as simple as gently talking with someone about their actions. It may be making sure that someone is, the, the other person that you're hanging out with, is comfortable with the actions that you're doing. It also may, may be stopping a bully from beating up your friend instead of standing by. It also may be gently explaining to that friend why you don't want to do, indulge in that sinful act. But all these things can lead us to tell people about the gospel, to show people why the gospel is so important. And it helps us to guard against the very same compromise that we are so often prone to fall. Now, these points are, are very hard. They, they're not easy to do because you and I are sinful, but, and, and we deal with sinful people on a daily basis. But let me remind you again of that same gospel that we have, that you are free in Christ. You are his, you are his child. And you have a beautiful treasure in the gospel. So in this world, we do compromise so that everyone can live peacefully. And compromise is not a bad thing, but compromise of the gospel is non-negotiable. And in our freedom that Christ has won for us, we equally apply the gospel to them because the gospel is the most important thing for our lives. And that's how we guard against compromise of the gospel. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.